reading today is Philippians 1, 21 through 30. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we ask that you would apply this word to our hearts, that it would uh, dwell within us, uh, that we would become more like the Apostle Paul as he imitated Christ. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Uh, we all see mottos as brief, pithy mission statements, and often they are helpful to us. They can shape the way we approach things, and they can remind us to, to take a different course in life. Here are just a, a few. Uh, I've heard one recently about relationships. Don't assume rejection. Uh, that's a good one. One about self-control. Don't do something permanently stupid when you're temporarily upset. <laughs> Another one, indecision with the passing of time becomes decision. One about being courageous and going out into the world. A ship in port is safe, but that's not what ships were made for. And the best one of all, be the person your dog thinks you are. <laughs> now, again, these are helpful to varying degrees. You might say some are mottos, others are just little pithy statements. I picked all but one because they speak to me and inspire me when I need them to. You can ask me at the door which one doesn't really apply to me. Uh, but none of them can approach the power and the beauty of Paul's brief yet all-encompassing motto. For, uh, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. We're going to spend some time here, most of our time, unpacking Paul's motto, and then we'll move a little bit into how that plays out in his mission, and then we'll spend a very small amount of time on how the Philippians are to manifest the gospel in their lives, and it all connects back to Paul's motto, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Now, I want you to think of times that you've been on the horns of a dilemma. You have been torn between two options. You know, sometimes these uh, options that we face are trivial, like what you're going to wear to a wedding. If you wear this outfit, you won't be wearing that outfit. I've sometimes told I use a lot of sports illustrations. Ladies, that one was for you. Uh, 
Hopefully that's not too <laughs> typecasting. Uh, more significant dilemmas that you face are, what will you name your baby? Uh, where you or your kid will go to college, or which house you will buy. These become momentous decisions between which you sometimes oscillate. But Paul presents a massive choice between two really good options. He will either be, now this is fascinating that I just said what I did, he will either be executed by the Roman authorities who imprisoned him for preaching the gospel. We saw last week that he was chained to one of the Praetorian guards, so he'll be executed or he'll remain alive. And if he remains in the flesh, in this mortal frame, he says, then that will mean more fruitful labor for me. And so which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Now, ultimately, of course, the decision is up to God and not up to Paul, but he's wrestling with which one he wants. And he's looking at these two options. He feels torn, he says, and, and hard-pressed. Should I remain in the flesh, in this world, or go to be with Christ? And the great thing is he says that either way, it's a win-win. Why? For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Now look at verse 23b, halfway through that verse. I desire to depart and be with Christ. That is his personal preference. He says, this is far better. Now the word depart in Greek means to loosen, like a ship's loosening from its moorings. And so Paul is saying that when the believer dies, her soul, your soul is with Christ. But you're not going to live in a disembodied state throughout eternity. You are waiting in that state for your new resurrected body that is patterned after the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. Now, he doesn't say that here. He says that in 1 Corinthians 15. And yet our souls go directly to Christ, to heaven when we die, until that day when we will be reunited with Renewed bodies, glorified bodies, bodies that are part of the new and restored creation. But Paul recognizes that even before we look to that day, to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord, and that's what he prefers. In the German translation of this verse, what it means or what it says is, Christ is my life, death is my profit. Death is my gain, and that's very accurate. And now Paul is saying, look, the powers that be, the Roman authorities may decide that they're going to execute me, uh, that I'm going to be dead. Uh, they'll decide whether he's dead, and it may be better for them. And Paul is actually saying, you know what, I agree with them, <laughs> so be it. What I'd really love is to be with my king. He says in 2 Corinthians 5.8, we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Now again, in New Testament theology, also in the Old Testament, God cares about our bodies. He cares about matter and the created order. He is going to restore all things. But Paul is also saying that in this fallen world, in our brief time, it is certainly the best choice to be with the Lord. But I want to make clear here, as many commentators do, Paul does not have a death wish. 
He's not a miserable guy who's hoping to escape the world's trials. He doesn't hate uh, the world. No, instead, he is robust and he is ready to return to work, as we will see in a moment. But most of all, he deeply loves his Savior, who, he says in Galatians 2, loved me and gave himself for me. And so Paul is saying life is summed up in Christ and our union with him. And that means that the gift of spiritual life that he has gained for us overrides our spiritual death. And it means that the gift of life, friends, what is it? It is life with him. And so the main thing about dying is that Paul says he will get to be with Jesus, his savior, his master, his king. The writer N.T. Wright says, Jesus is in, or rather, Paul is in love with his king and his savior. As one writer has said, overpowered by Christ on the Damascus road in the book of Acts and overwhelmed by his majesty, goodness, and forgiveness, Paul can see no reason for being except for being for or in Christ. And so everything Paul does is shaped by his commitment to Jesus, which is born of Jesus' commitment to him. And so as we look to Paul, we are learning, hopefully, to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. Now let's step back and consider our own lives. It's very convicting to go through this passage. For us, too often, we would say, to live is Christ plus my career, my schooling, my, my family members, my leisure, my travel. I know somebody who would have added um, to this list, uh, for me to live is to go on as many cruises as possible. And before the end of his life, he went on at least 100 cruises, nice cruises all around the world. And he loved showing people on his map all the places all over the globe that he went to. And so we could say that for many of us, to live is to check off our bucket list. And as we get older, that becomes a thing, right? You gotta go to all these different places and cram them all in. Uh, for me, when I was young, I would say to live was skateboarding, and then it became music, playing guitar, and things like that, and woven in through all, all, throughout all of that was romance, uh, and that's still there. <laughs> uh, and I would have added back then the occasional but exhilarating water ski and snow ski trips. Uh, when I was on the mountain or being towed behind a boat, I would often say to myself, out loud, it doesn't get any better than this. And so we might say to live is fun, to live is rest, to live is work, but it was in my senior year of high school that I was floored with the reality of the crucified and risen Lord Jesus. I was aware that he was real, that all the things I had heard about him, the, the solid things I had heard about him and discovered for myself and my research, I came to grips with the fact that he, that he is real and he really wants a love relationship with me. And then things began to click. And what Paul is saying here began to make more sense. To live 
is loving Christ and receiving his love. And if we think that way, then to die is gain because it means you're entering his loving presence. Now, friends, as I say this, it doesn't mean that I'm not ever pulled by other desires and passions, and I am. Uh, mostly good things. Cooking a fun meal for guests, you know, reading theology and, and philosophy, spending time with my, my fam family and friends, with you, having fun. And, and some of the things that can pull me away are needless distractions, <laughs> like looking too much at my phone. Now, most of these are good gifts, and we should enjoy them in light of loving and gaining Christ. And the point is, I want to be more of a man whose main passion that frames and governs every, everything is knowing Christ, as it was for Paul. And may it be for you as well. You see, what Paul is talking about here is what makes life life. We all need to find something to live for. I grew up with a, a guy um, in elementary school all the way through high school that I, that I saw actually at my 40th reunion a few weeks ago. And he was a, an excellent student, an athlete, and he went on to be a, a very successful surgeon. And so here we are in our late 50s. And he told me at this reunion that he hopes to retire soon, but he's not going to stop working. He would love to go out and to help um, uh, those who have served in the military, those who are wounded. He'd love to help in uh, vet, uh, veteran hospitals and so forth. And then he said, you have got to have a purpose in life to live. I can't just go retire and not do anything and you know, ride my bike and hang out all day. I need a greater purpose. And in many ways, that is a beautiful purpose. But what Paul is saying, that as we look at the pleasures and the accomplishments and even the service of this life, they must all be situated in what he is saying is the main purpose. To live is Christ. To die is gain. You see, Paul is echoing the psalmist who said, God, your loving kindness is better than life, even better than existing and staying alive is your love. In fact, it's your love that makes existing far more than just existing. It makes it meaningful and rich. Christ's love is better than life, is what Paul is saying. It defines life. It gives life meaning. And friends, as we think of life and then death, as Paul says, to die is to gain Christ, we need to, again, contrast this to what the world offers. You see, in our culture, we are surrounded by messages, by mottos that, that actually teach us because we see people who have pursued fame and fortune and they are showing us throughout the decades that those things don't ultimately satisfy or give us assurance or give us comfort as we face our mortality and our own end. Here are just a couple of statements, brief mottos or statements uh, from secular folks as they were dying. Uh, the New York Times Pulitzer Prize winner, Walter Durante, maybe you haven't heard of him, but he wrote a lot about the Soviet Union. He was actually not a good guy and wrote some awful things, but he, he was famous. 
and he achieved a lot of success. Uh, and I read an article this last year by a philosopher who, who said, as Durante was dying, he said, I'm perplexed. I'm perplexed. There's the singer David Bowie who uh, had all these accomplishments, wrote so many songs, but one of the last ones he wrote, in it he said, I gaze in defeat at the stars in the night. The light in my life burned away. There will be no tomorrow. And then that makes you stop dead in your tracks when you think about facing death, apart from Paul's motto. Or uh, even shorter, and it's been reported by PBS and several other sources, that Frank Sinatra, as he was dying, said, I'm losing. He had gained so much, but he said, I am losing. Now, the writer Gordon Fee, the New Testament scholar, has said that for the believer, we do not think this way. We are to think like Paul. And he says, we expect eventually to depart, to be loosened from this world and to be with Christ. And then he adds, for Paul, this was a yearning. Paul yearned to be with Christ. For us, it is often just an addendum. Because so often we begin to live in this prosperous society like some of the secular people that I've just noted. A few weeks ago, I, I read to you the, uh, some of the dying words and reflections about and from Tim Keller. I'd like to read that again, and I'm going to add one statement that I didn't share at that time. As I was working on this, I reread these statements, and they just floored me. They just moved me. They're so powerful. And think of the contrast between this and that, that New York Times journalist and, and David Bowie and Frank Sinatra and so many famous people, the way they approach life and death. Keller said, as he was dying of cancer, I'm thankful for all the people who prayed for me over the years. I'm thankful for my family that loves me. I'm thankful for the time God has given me, but I'm ready to see Jesus. I can't wait to see Jesus send me home. Now, the statement I hadn't seen, which was closer to his passing, was this. His son reported that his wife, Keller's wife, Kathy, kissed him on the forehead and he breathed his last. And then that last statement read, we take comfort in some of his last words. He said, there is no downside for me leaving, not, not in the slightest, to live as Christ to die as gain. Well, that's Paul's motto, and it needs to be ours, but, but Paul also carries that further into a mission out in the world, and in particular to his fellow believers. So his motto is to know Christ, we could say, and his mission is to make Christ known. He says, though I would like to depart and be with my beloved Savior, on the other hand, I remain in the flesh, or if, if I remain in the flesh, and stay in this mortal frame, then that would mean more fruitful labor. He is thinking in terms of what others need. Look at verse 24. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He's speaking to the Philippian believers. It would be far better to depart, but my choice is to remain and to see you progress in your faith, to see you progress in joy. In joy. 